Welcome to the orchard, where we love God and love people. Can you hear me? All right. We are in week two of a summer series about Nehemiah. So you might be wondering, what's all the rubble for? What's all the rocks for? Well, we're working through this book, and we're going to see kind of as, as things go how God rebuilds us. And if you missed last week, I would encourage you to go check it out, you know, on the podcast, or we have an Orchard app where you can listen to all the sermons as many times as you want. It's like Christmas early. I know, it's amazing. We want to invite you to, to go, go pick up last week's because we talked about, looking forward, who we're going to be. What's the vision that God has for us as a church and as a people? He's calling us into something. What is he calling us into? And in Nehemiah 1, we discussed how Nehemiah was in captivity in Persia. And he was the, one of the most trusted people for the king, Artaxerxes, there. And while he's there, some of his countrymen come from Israel and they, they tell him the condition of his homeland. And they say, everything's in ruins. Everything's in rubble. And not just the defenses, not just the cities, but the people they're broken in spirit. They've been in captivity, and they might be home, but they're not whole. He prays. Nehemiah calls out to God and asks for favor. And you remember what I told you about favor last week? You only ask for favor if you're moving forward. If you're going to stay in familiar, you don't need favor. But he's, Nehemiah is captured by a vision of God, and, and he's going to move ahead. And so he asks for favor because he wants to see God's dream come true. He wants to see this, this people rebuilt. And today we're still in Nehemiah 1, and, and we're going to look at the last sentence of the last verse in chapter 1. It's only six words long, and it says this. Nehemiah says, I was cupbearer to the king. Now I know many of you are saying, we're going to have a whole sermon about six words, and it's, that's what they are. I was cupbearer to the king. I mean, what's, what's in this? What, what, what are we stopping here for? But, but this verse right here is powerful to me. This isn't just a statement. This is a statement of intent. This is a statement that says uh, what was and what is and what could be. I was cupbearer to the king. This strikes me because Nehemiah has been moved deeply by God. Remember last week we asked the question, does your heart break for the things that break God's heart? Does, is your heart concerned with the things that concern God's heart? Nehemiah was moved by God's spirit and he left a life that was settled and smooth on paper. He had a great career. Everything was, everything was available to him. Um, everything was familiar and he left that for the unknown to live a life on the edge of faith. And his statement, I was cupbearer to the king, is powerful to me. And my hope is today, you sitting here today, God brought you here, because he has something to say to you. My hope is that today you get the chance to think through your I was statement. You know, I was a teacher. I was a chef. I was a business person. I was a parent. But because of the, the call on my life, I am now something new. I'm not who I was. In fact, I'm no longer defined by what I do. I identify with calling over career. And my call is much larger than my livelihood. I'm redeemed beyond my roles, and I choose transformation over titles. I am defined by a resurrection, not by a profession. I was. I was. 
when the call of God intersected Nehemiah's life, it immediately put his, himself in perspective. I was a cupbearer for the king, but now, now I need favor because I'm gonna be moving forward into a divine purpose that's much larger than my role. Orchard, I have a question for you. What is your I was statement? It's also called a testimony or a God story. I was this. You know, for me, I was, I was, um, I was born a really small, young child. And then I, I was in Redstone for a while. And then my dad planted the church at Redstone up there. And then we moved down here to the church of Carbondale and then became the orchard. And, and I was a pastor's kid. And I was called the ministry. And I went off to Georgia and had great success. And I was a successful pastor. And I was betrayed. And I was broken. And then I was a, a mixed martial arts instructor. And then I was a banker. And, and I was, and I was, and I was. And I was. And there was a time in my life where I would define myself based on my success or my failure. I was that person. But now I judge myself not on my success or my failure. I judge myself, or I see myself by the sacrifice of my Savior. That's how I define myself. I'm I'm defined by who God declares me to be, not not who my past is, is declaring that I am. And for some of us here today, your past is informing your present and telling you who you are. And today you can say, well, I was, but I'm not now. I was a cupbearer to the king. I was, I was, but my old life is gone. See, I traded all my good things, all my bad things, all my shiny trophies and all my shameful troubles, all my victories, all my fears, all my joys, I traded them all in. Because like Nehemiah, God asked me to trade in all that I was for all that he had for me. And that trade was the most important trade of my life. Anywhere you find somebody that has an I was statement, you'll find somebody who's been changed, who's been transformed, who's faced hard and difficult decisions, and who's made the most important trade in their life, trading the life that they have for the life that God has for them. And you know, so much of life is about trades. Life is full of trades. You know, we go through our journey of life trading trading things that are of great worth and and trading our time and trading jobs. All of life is in trades. You know, there was a a time where Amy and I, my wife, we didn't know if we could have children. The option wasn't open to us. And we would have traded anything to hold a baby. Anything to to sit there and and look at that little baby who would smile and coo and nestle and always obey. We just, we were treated anything for a baby. And then through miraculously, God gave us a baby. But we didn't know the fine print. You see, we didn't know we were were trading in our sleep. We didn't know we were trading in our our date nights and vacations. We didn't know we were trading our life in. And now we, we went to the bathroom. We had an audience always, always with us. We didn't read the fine print. Now, it's still fulfilling, but, but there's a lot more fine print in the trades of life than we're aware of. And that's true for any trade. I mean, when you trade singleness for a significant other, there's a lot of good things, but there's also some requirements, some in fine print and some that aren't even writing, are they? <laughs> and you get into that relationship, you're like, oh, I didn't know. I didn't know that this is how this worked. When you take a new job, no matter what the new job is, it could be you know, more pay or less pay, but there's more responsibility or less responsibility, or you gotta work on weekends. There's always trades with everything in life. My schedule, I view that in, in terms of trade. Every meeting is a trade for, for time doing something else, or, 
Anything. Every, everything we make is a trade. I trade my healthy diet for half a pizza. I trade my time with God for Netflix. I trade my alertness tomorrow for a late night tonight. All of life is a trade. And, and here's one thing. When you say yes to one thing, you automatically are saying no to other things. The principles of saying yes says no to something else. You know, when I said yes to marrying Amy, I said no to every other woman in the world. Sorry. That one yes was a powerful yes. You see, I don't have to go through my life going, no, 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 no. I just say one yes. And the, and the key to life is to find the right things to say yes to because it will inform your no. Instead of going around trying to say no to everything, look through your life and say yes to the God thing. Say yes to the right thing. And it will inform your no. When I say yes to purity, I'm saying no to a whole list of things. When I say yes to loving God with all my strength and resources, when I say yes to giving to the orchard, then that says no for some other things that I would do. When I say yes to making Sunday morning a priority, well, I'm saying no to some other events. Our yes informs our no. Now, not only is all life built on trades, but choosing Jesus is a trade. It's a trade. It should be the most important life-changing trade you ever make because you are trading your old life for new life. You are trading your past and everything that was done to you and everything that, that you did for grace, forgiveness, and a clean slate. You trade shame for unconditional love. You trade living out of your own power to being empowered by the very Spirit of God. You trade a destiny apart from God for an eternity with God. It's a trade. We trade our old purpose to be happy, to get as much toys and success as we can for a new purpose, to love God and love people. No asterisks. Following Jesus is a trade. Now here on the western slope of Colorado, it doesn't seem like a big trade, but there are places in the world that if you choose Jesus, if you choose to follow Jesus, it could cost you your job, your family, or your life. There are people that come to Christ and Jesus and it's the last decision they ever make, but they know that when they make it. Now, for us, it doesn't seem that elevated. We don't oftentimes know what we're trading when we receive and choose Jesus. And the problem is that when some of us choose to believe in Jesus, we don't choose to follow Jesus. And there's a bigger difference there than any of us really know. I would love it if we could all agree to trade in cultural Christianity and instead choose following Jesus. That our hearts and our families and our church and our communi communities would be drastically different if we made that trade. Cultural Christianity, the goal of cultural Christianity is to believe and belong. To believe that Jesus is God and to belong to a church. The point of following Jesus is not to believe and belong. That might be a shock to some of us. But the point of following Jesus is not to believe and is not to belong. Most of America believes that Christianity is here to believe and belong. Which is why, if we're all a bit honest, we could say and admit that it's not quite working out the way we hoped. This whole... God, Jesus, church thing, it's not quite the power in here that I read about in here. 
It's not working the way that I hoped and I wanted. I mean, I still like it, but kind of maybe, but it's not what I hoped. Churchianity will always feel like a suit of armor. It's too big and too heavy for us. It's cumbersome. It doesn't fit right. It's not natural. And it might actually hold us back from the things that matter most. But following Jesus, that is far different. The point of following Jesus is not to believe and belong. The point of following Jesus is to transform. The point of following Jesus is not to believe and belong. The point of following Jesus is to transform. To be different to be made more and more like him. Which is why anyone with an I was statement has evidence that they have been following Jesus. If there's no transformation, there's no I was. Jesus gave his life and and called us so that our hearts and our character could be transformed. God sent Jesus not so that you could be a better version of yourself, but so that you could be a new creation. Amen? 8.30 was way more awake than you. (laughs) God called us so something within us can shift to such a degree that we are brought to life in a way we didn't know before. The result of following Jesus is transformation. I had an interesting talk with some of our elders about this because if we're serious about being a church that follows Jesus, we should be able to look at every group, every meeting, every service, everything the orchard does, and we should see the fruit of transformation. And so we're working working through this, and we're gonna look at every ministry this church has and everything we do. And if we find a place where there's no transformation, then we're gonna look at it really hard and say, do we stop it? Do we adjust it? In those places in the orchard where we see there is transformation, how do we stoke it? And so Orchard, here's the deal. Whatever growth group you go to, whatever Bible study, whatever meeting, in fact, in this room, what is it I've prayed for years? I pray, I pray at the beginning of many sermons, um, God, we don't just want to come to church. We want to come here and leave different. We want transformation. That's why we're here. In the end, the Orchard should be a place where we are transformed people. And we have a transformed community that loves God and loves people at deeper and deeper levels. And every service, every time we get together, every moment with God is an I was opportunity for you. The hardest part about making the the trade from cultural Christianity to following Jesus is the cost. I'm going to be honest with you, it's the cost. You see, oftentimes when we trade with Jesus, we try to go partially in or we try to negotiate with him. You see, we want the benefit without the cost. We make a halfway trade. For some of us, we, we put our heart out there And as long as Jesus keeps his side of the bargain, if he keeps like disease and bad things away and things go go our way, we're we're good with God. But but as soon as things start to get shaky, well, you're not keeping your side of the bargain. We have a conditional trade with God. When someone's following Jesus, they become a disciple, which means someone who follows. A follower of Jesus trades her whole life, her whole past, for a new life in Jesus. A follower of Jesus trades his whole present, his whole future, for, for a new life with Jesus. And Jesus had many sermons on this trade. He talked about this a lot. And he would walk around, he would call people to follow him, but he didn't call people to a religion, he called them to a relationship, a relationship of, of transformation. And so today we're gonna look in Luke and see what he would say. He said this, Anyone who does not give up 
everything you have cannot be my disciple. Wow. You know, we, we love the Jesus that's, that's just kind of, the hippie love Jesus. I mean, he says stuff like this. Oh, man, that's a hard one. There's two absolutes in this verse, two absolutes. The first one is anyone. Anyone who wants to follow me, anyone and everyone who wants to follow me is the first absolute. And it leads to the second. Must give up everything, all things, anything holding you back, your whole life, your whole heart. And he spoke on this on many occasions and he would call people. And you know what they would do? They're like us. They would negotiate. Luke 9 As they were walking along a road, a man said to Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but I only have a place to lay my head. You want to believe and belong, but there's a hard road ahead, and it costs. Following me isn't easy. I don't even have a pillow or a house. Are you sure you want to come? Because you should look ahead before you say yes. Then he turned to somebody else and said, hey, come follow me. And the man, the man replied, whoa, Lord, first let me go bury my father. Now that seems normal, right? Who wants to miss their dad's funeral? Now there's been a lot of study on this gentleman and, and, and the nuance of this is that his dad is not yet dead. And we don't know if he's on his deathbed or if it's decades away. But what he's saying is, oh, oh man, I'd love to follow you, but I just got some things going on I gotta go take care of. Um, let me just get my stuff in order, get some things taken care of, then we'll see. This man has the intention of following Jesus, but he wants to make sure it's on his own timeline. And he wants to get some things done. Then, Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, and you go proclaim the, the kingdom of God. Again, it seems so harsh, but what he's offering this man is the greatest trade in the universe. Jesus offers him an I was moment, and the man says, no, 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 no. My I am is too important to me. Jesus wasn't just inviting this man to follow. He was inviting this man on a life-changing journey. I almost see Jesus saying, you want to go bury the dead or do you want to go with me and see the, the dead raised? Which one do, what do you want to do? Because it's a trade. You want to raise the dead or bury the dead? Jesus said, I'm inviting you into a supernatural calling and all you're giving me is natural excuses. And then another person said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Now, this person had a divided heart. They want to follow, but directly after they say, I want to follow, they have two words that change it all. But first. But first is the enemy of I was. And, and we are masters of a but first religion. Oh, I, I love to, to follow with my whole heart. First, I'm going to give up that secret sin. But first, I will talk to my friends about Jesus. But first, I have to go to seminary and I have to learn everything and I have to know all the answers. We always have a but first with something after it. And, and, and the but first always ends up being longer than we ever intended. Of course I'll get baptized. But first, it turns into a years and then decades and then it's gone too long to go back and do it comfortably, we feel. I'll get serious about God, but first often results in getting serious about things that are much more worldly. Orchard, where have you been asked by God to do something or to stop doing something? And the first thing you told them was, well, but first, I will, but first. We've already talked about how our, our yes informs our no. 
And but first, we have to just admit it. It's a no to his invitation. It's a yes to our mission and a no to him. At his heart, our but first is a, is a negotiation with God. It, it feels like we put, put ourselves in control. And what Jesus makes clear here in Luke and other places is, is that there's no negotiating. You don't barter down to 30%, 30% of what Jesus offers. You don't put 10% of your heart down. You see, because Jesus gave sacrificially. He gave his life and his heart sacrificially, which is always more than you're comfortable with. He gave 100%, and he asked the same in return. Give me 100% of your heart. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength. It's the basis of our vision here. And the tragedy of cultural Christianity is that some of us believe we have haggled our way into a religion that's all blessing and no testing. We want all the goodness and none of the price tag. And I want to just say something. Any failure of Christianity isn't with Jesus. It is with people who have given 25% of their lives to him and expected 100% in return. We want the peace, we want the happiness, we want the blessing, we want heaven. We want the full package. We just don't want to give up all of ourselves in return. I do a lot of weddings. I have yet to do a wedding where two people stand up there and one gives their entire heart to the other and the other vows to give 25% of their heart back. I just want to tell you that that marriage would not be viable. Marriage is hard enough as it is, let alone when you're 25% in. And I would say the same about your spiritual life with God. If it feels like it's not working, it might not be working for a reason. When Jesus called you to follow, he called you to give everything. And, and I know something here with all this. I'm doing a really bad sales job of the gospel. <laughs> you see, this isn't always the good news people want to hear. We want the blessing with no cost. But the problem is following Jesus is an action. Following by its nature means that you are on the move. Following means it implies that you're aware of who's ahead of you and where they're going. And in Orchard, this morning, the healthiest thing that some of us may do spiritually is to finally look up and see that we're not actually following Jesus. Because he's going to lead us into transformation. He's going to lead us into life change. He's going to lead us into forgiveness and grace and power and peace. The beauty of those who follow Jesus is they get to reflect at some point like Nehemiah and say, I was a cupbearer to the king. I was and I'm now becoming. I'm not who I was. I'm not yet who I'm called to be yet, but I've traded in what I thought I could be for a divine call of God who transforms me. Listen to these words of Paul. This is a, this is a statement of somebody who traded it all in and didn't regret any of it. He says this, the things that used to be so important in my life, I now count as loss compared to the amazing privilege of personally knowing Jesus. That he's traded in everything in his life. It's all garbage. It's, it's refuse compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus. I want to remind you that there is power in the call of Jesus. I want to remind you that there's a greatest, greater purpose for you 
There's a greater purpose and it comes with following Jesus. There's sacrifice in it and there's glory in it. And remember, I wanna just tell you something. I don't know if you've heard this. The call of Jesus is not to make bad people good. Jesus isn't a behavior modifier. Jesus doesn't call you and say, follow me, I'll make you good. Jesus says, follow me and I'll bring you to life. Follow me and you'll be a new creation. You don't follow Jesus to be religious. You follow Jesus to be resurrected and redeemed and restored. Jesus doesn't call you to a list of of thou shalt nots. He calls you to a life of thou shalt not be defeated. The call of Jesus is powerful and it's beautiful. The call of Jesus is to give up the one thing you cannot keep and that's your life and trade it for the one thing you can never earn. That's true life here on earth and in heaven. So while the trade seems steep, following Jesus is the entire reason that we are here on this earth. And I want to challenge you to look at your life and see where is it you've stopped short of saying yes? Where is it you've said not yet? Where is it you've said, well, but first? And authentically ask Jesus to change your heart there. There's nothing better than a good I was statement, a testimony of someone who's changed. And with that said, I want to invite some of my friends up here, Chris and Melissa Benson. They're in my growth group. They're going to, they're going to come up. Can I get, um, Aaron, will you help them get in? Can I get some, our growth group up here, the family? You guys can come up here and be a part of it too. Um, we are going to do something that, is, that, that Jesus asked us to do. Jesus said, when you come to a moment and you say you believe in me, when you come to salvation, the next step is baptism. Baptism is a, is a public declaration of a personal decision. And so today, two of our friends are here and they're gonna be baptized today. And baptism is an I was moment. So without further ado, let me get that microphone. Chris, let's go ahead and help Chris in there. Can someone help, Jake, someone help him in? You guys can come on up if you wanna come over here. Go ahead and sit down. Family, feel free to gather around or if you want video to get over here in front. Chris, how you doing today? I'm good. You ready? Chris is not afraid of public speaking. You're going to see that really quickly, okay? Um, hi. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I kind of public speak for a living. I'm a teacher. Um, so uh, it's kind of funny that you said like the first thing you do after coming to faith is get baptized. It's, I'm a little slower on the uptake. Um, <laughs> says... Uh, <coughs> I got my testimony, so I'll stick to my notes because I am uh, a terrible rambler too. So um, says, uh, <coughs> my name is Chris Benson. Uh, I've had a great fortune uh, of being in the barren plains of North Dakota. Um, unfortunately, at a young age, I was ripped from my birth home and forced to grow up in this beautiful valley. Um, although I was uh, unable to experience the little that North Dakota had to offer, uh, I was lucky enough to be raised by two amazing parents. Uh, who love their children, each other, and uh, above all, God. Um, Looking back, uh, it's so fun and encouraging to see how uh, God used uh, my parents to have a positive impact on people, both young and old, in this valley. And here's one of them right here. I said, I became a follower of Christ from a young age. I was uh, even sprinkled sprinkled baptized as a baby, uh, Lutheran style, um, when I was young. Uh, from elementary to high school, I attended every uh, church service 
uh, Christmas musical, youth group, missions trip that my church had to offer. And after college, the bold risk taker that I am, I ended up eventually taking a job teaching at the exact same high school that I graduated from. <laughs> uh, something that I feel kind of has a special bond between me and Daniel here, coming back to our roots. Um, so growing up in a Christian home and uh, talking in front of people as a career, it seems kind of strange how I haven't uh, been baptized yet. Uh, I enjoy talking in front of crowds, and uh, I'm not new to being a follower of Christ. Uh, but as an adult, I always feel like, or I always felt like, I hesitated from getting baptized because I always felt it was uh, done to show how you had chosen to follow Christ, and in my heart, I had been following Christ for as long as I could remember. Therefore, it felt unnecessary, redundant, and a little bit silly. Uh, for me, getting baptized today is less about a public declaration of my belief in Jesus Christ or some religious obligation. Rather, it's a symbol of my heart's desire to mature in my faith. And like Daniel said today, uh, instead of being just somebody that belongs, being somebody that uh, becomes transformed. It's a first step in listening to what God calls me to do and responding with yes rather than apathy and inaction. I want to see God do amazing things. I want to see healings for those who need healing. I want to see, uh, see those that are, uh, seem farthest from God come to know him. And I want to live an extraordinary life where I'm blown away, blown away by what God can do through me. And I want uh, to be an example for my wife and my son and my family as someone who puts God's first, others second, and myself last. I'm so pumped to be dunked in this water. And... <laughs> Uh, then rise to see, just like Jesus, the heavens open up and have some dove come down and tell me, you are my son from who I love and for, uh, with whom I am well pleased. <laughs> All right. Now, just to reframe this, when, when he comes out of the water, when anybody ever comes out of the water in these moments, we stand up and cheer. This, 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 is, this, is, um, this is kingdom of heaven kind of stuff. And so, Chris... Do you believe in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins? I do. And do you commit to follow Jesus all the days of your life? Yes, sir. And I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Oh, gosh. <laughs> you <all right? laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's help, let's help him out. Yeah, he sprinkled the crowd. And now Melissa. <laughs> Melissa is much more talented than Chris, but she doesn't like the public speak as much. <laughs> there you go. All right. Hi, everybody. My name is Melissa, and I'm married to Chris, and I get to follow that, so that's <laughs> awesome. Um, but I'm the shorter, sweeter version of her of our couple, so here we go. <laughs> um, I came to know Christ when I was in college and have followed him since. Um, for me, being baptized is an outward expression of how I've always felt on the inside. Um, I have a deep desire to step into my calling, to move forward, and to grow into the person that he has called me to become. I want to put Christ first and foremost in my life and be an example to my family, our baby boy, and friends mm. by de dedicating my life to follow Christ, putting my hope and trust in him for all my days. Mm. This is so exciting. I know that there's, this is only the beginning, and I know that he has so much more in store for me. Being baptized is something I never felt that I could do. Um, I felt like it was called to do, but wasn't sure if I would ever have the courage to do it. But with the support of my husband, Chris, our family, and our friends, and the best growth group ever, 
um, I'm so ready to finally be baptized. Amen. Thank you, Melissa. (laughs) Melissa, do you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I do. And you commit to follow him all the days of your life? I do. I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, you may think that we're done, and, and usually we are. You guys can be seated. Um, but I want, I want Chris and Melissa to join me on stage, because we're not done. Um, there's a lot of I was happening today. Chris and Melissa, come on up. Chris and Melissa. <laughs> we have Stacy, our Kid Mountain children's pastor. Um, one of the coolest things that's going to happen today, is we're talking through them with this, is we're going to um, dedicate their son, Luke. And... Uh, they're going to be holding him still wet from the baptism water, <laughs> which is an awesome symbol. And so, um, Stacy, family, you want to come up here and uh, put a hand on him while we pray? Absolutely. Come on. So uh, I think this is pretty, pretty cool that um, Luke gets to be dedicated on the day that his parents are baptized. Um, so most of you know, but if you don't, I will share why we do a baby dedication. It is so that we, as a church, commit to stand... He says, you're wet. I don't want you to hold me. Here. How about a blankie? Blankie. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to go fast. We commit as a church to stand beside this family and help them raise Luke to love God and love people and to develop to be the wonderful, amazing human being that God has created him to be. So what I want all of you to do, if you are in agreement to commit to help this family raise their son. So I want you to raise your hand toward this stage like this as we pray. And what I like to do, family, is I like to make a holy huddle. So let's huddle up um, and lay hands on baby Luke. I just thank you, God, for this family and this tribe that Luke has been born into, Um, the amazing support that this family has. And I just pray for this family as Luke grows that you will help them to maintain their strength and their faith and lift them up as uh, baby Luke grows. And I just pray that you will help us all to help Luke become the person that you have created him to be. I know, buddy. I'm done. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you for your courage. I love the, the I was, and I'm going to be, those commitments. I want you to remember something today. Remember that following Jesus is not about believing and belonging. It's about transforming. And Orchard, you might not know this, but today's a special day. Do you guys know that? Based on the calendar? Did you know that, that um, thousands of years ago, there was Passover, and Jesus was crucified? And then 50 days later, 50 the Holy Spirit was sent. Now, we call it Pentecost, and for some of you that word means a lot of different things. The word Pentecost means 50th, because it's the 50th day after Passover. Today is the 50th day from Passover. Today is the anniversary of the coming of the Holy Spirit. And that's important, and it means a lot to this sermon, because the Holy Spirit is the catalyst from which transformation comes. 
Some of you here today, even in this moment, maybe you felt that inspirational, however you feel God move in your life, that still small voice, that, 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 that this is for you. I would encourage you, if you felt that, if you hear that, I would ask you to guard that and listen and not discard that small voice calling you to those things. That is the voice of God's Holy Spirit calling you to transformation. And we get in the habit of saying no because we're too scared or it's too awkward or we're just not ready or but first. But the more and more that we hear and obey and say yes, the more we'll see our life open up before us as the Holy Spirit is the one that wants to lead you out of your afflictions, out of your addictions, and into transformation and, and forgiveness and grace and peace and power. And so if you're here today and you feel that invitation of the Holy Spirit, I want you to listen to that. That's the most valuable voice in your life. And Orchard, if you would just do this with me for a second, if you're willing, those of you willing, just put your hands out open like this. And take a deep breath in. And pray with me. Holy Spirit, fill me. Fill me fresh. Fill me new. Wake up dead parts of me. Forgive me my sins. Reveal to me my destiny. Speak to me. Fill me. In Jesus' name, amen. May the spirit of the living God lead the orchard. And may he lead you into transformation. As we end this, and I'm gonna remind you of something, we have communion up front. And communion, this is the body and the blood of Jesus, the symbol of that. And if you're new with us today, I wanna tell you that there's, there's no class to take to, be, to partake in this. Jesus himself said, do this in remembrance of me. And if you wanna remember him, you are welcome to come partake. And as you sit there with the symbol of his blood and his body, just the audacity of love, that he loved you so much that he said, yes. I would encourage you to, to listen to that voice of the Holy Spirit because for some of you, he's inviting you to make a decision of salvation for the first time. For others of you, he's inviting you to make a decision of baptism. And I want you to say yes to that voice. Respond however you want. We're gonna have um, some people up here up front to pray. We also have our prayer corner back there. If you have any prayer requests, we're here to pray with you. We're here to be a part of your life with you. And if you'd like to talk about baptism or salvation, how about you come see me? But let's stand up, let's worship, and let's engage in what God has for us, okay? Holy Spirit, we invite you into this moment. We ask you to move in power. I pray you would prompt us, and I pray you would give us that, that divine unction to just say yes. In Jesus' name, amen.